All right, Mark 14, verse 38. Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you, Lord, for the good songs that we've heard tonight. And God, I ask you this evening that you would allow us liberty, allow us unction to be able to preach this evening. Father, we pray as we deal with this thought of temptation that you'd give us strength in our bodies. Lord, give us strength in our spirit. Lord, allow us to be able to to tell your story tonight. Father, we pray that you would bless our folks that are here. Lord, those that can't be here, we pray a special blessing on them. God, but we ask you tonight that you'll do a work in our heart, encourage us and challenge us. Father, we'll praise you, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read that verse one more time. It says, Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The Spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Uh, I want to continue our series of facing our giants, and this tonight is facing the giant of temptation. And uh, we sing the song, uh, I believe it's, I'd rather have Jesus. And there's a phrase in that song, uh, a lot of times either we don't sing it or we don't know what we're singing, but it says, uh, to be held in sin's dread sway. And uh, I remember when back in May we went to the beach and um, they had those colored flags up there. And uh, it, the, the water was safe to go in, but still keep your eyes open. And there was just a slight undertow. The waves were kind of hard. That's what I think of when I think about this sin's dread sway. Uh, it's something that looks fairly peaceful on the surface, but underneath it can it can grab you and it can drag you under. And uh, so the songwriter had it right in that poetic uh, language. William Shakespeare said, Temptation is the fiend at my elbow, the enemy at my elbow. It's very close. It's closer than we would think. It's closer than we want to admit. Uh, Oscar Wilde said, I can resist anything except temptation. And uh, doesn't that seem uh, something that any of us can say? Temptation is always there. Had a man tell me one time that when he got saved, he was never tempted to do anything again. And I thought, man, you're a whole lot better than I am. (laughs) And I hope it worked for him, but uh, that's not been the case for me. Uh, I, I, I really believe that I've been tempted more since I've been saved than I was before I got saved. And I think the reason is because I was just doing what my flesh knew to do beforehand. I didn't know right from wrong. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter number 7, verse 19, For the good that I would, I do not. He says, But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, just to break it down, he said, When I wanted to do good, I didn't do it. I did bad. But when I wanted to stay away from wrong, it seems like I did it. And so, uh, in 2021, if you and I are dealing with this, don't feel too horrible because the Apostle Paul dealt with it at the same time. This giant of temptation, it seems to arrive at all times of the day and all times of the night. It may strike in the middle of the night when the house is quiet, when everything seems calm and cool and collected, but that's when Satan will 
come into your mind or come into your body with some temptation. It could come in the, in a crowd, but while we may make some attempt to move away from it, one writer said, we often leave a forwarding address. When I moved from Georgia to, or from Tennessee to Georgia, we had to forward our mail. But even in that forwarding, sometimes they would miss it and they would deliver my mail there and then it would get to my mom and she would just hold on to it until we got there. Temptation, oftentimes we say, okay, I know there's temptation over there, so I'm going to step away from it, but it's almost as if we tell the temptation where we're going. It catches up to us just like that. There's no, excuse me, I get ahead of myself here just a little bit, but preparing a defense against this giant, it's not like going into a sleeping bag. It's its not like trying to uh, uh, zip yourself up inside a, a little cocoon. That's not the way to handle this. We've got to find a way to live a victorious life in a world that's filled with temptation. While nobody, no one rather should feel guilty of being tempted, we should understand that we're not alone in this. I told you Paul dealt with this. Jesus Himself was tempted of the devil. He was tested. I believe everything that we are tempted to do, Christ Jesus was tempted. The Bible says in Hebrews, it says that we have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Why? Because he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. And so I believe that even in this modern day, temptation is as old as the age. You go back to Genesis 3. Brother David, I believe you said that's your favorite Chapter We preached from there this morning. Genesis 3, that serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. He was such so that he could catch his prey. Uh, somebody posted a, a picture the other day and they said, be careful, it's one uh, of those, I don't know what kind of snake it is, cotton mouths or water moccasins, whatever. I don't know what kind it was, but they say it, it's a little, it's, it's baby moccasin season or baby whatever season. And they look like leaves, look like dead leaves, Miss Barbara. And uh, I got to walking around that flower bed that I was telling you about. It was dead leaves everywhere. And you better know, I was watching for them. If something looked like it was about to move, I was high-stepping. If something wouldn't move and I thought it might should, I was stepping. You see, they're subtle. They'll, they'll blend in. Some will get over in a little, their coil. They'll just wait for their prey to come. That's what temptation does. Sometimes it's not hitting you in the face. Sometimes it's waiting in a corner somewhere, just waiting for some weakness in your life, and then it'll pounce. Temptation is a continual fork in the road. I was going to look up the poem. I can't remember all of it. Matter of fact, I can't remember, but maybe the first line. Two roads diverged in the yellow wood. You could tell that one had been beaten down. The other one, less trodden. Temptation is a fork in the road. It's a decision that you have to choose one of two ways. 
It is literally laid out before you. This temptation is laid out before you. And you have to choose whether you're going to go towards that temptation or to go the opposite way. Every single time we have a choice to make. Now, while we would prefer not to have a fork or a choice in the road that leads to destruction, that leads away from God, it's a part of life. And it's a giant for so many people that they can't get over, they can't get around, they can't, they cannot escape this temptation in their life. If we were to look, uh, in our town, maybe in our pews, I don't know the, the private life of everyone here, the past life of everyone here, but temptation is everywhere. And there's some folks that they have temptation in such a way that they have to go to a meeting every week to make sure that they're held accountable. And you say, well, should they do that if they were really saved? Well, you're not there. I just want to preface this by saying, you're not there. You don't know what they're going through. And I'll be honest with you, if I fell into some some wicked sin or some substance abuse, I would hope there'd be some gracious people that would take me under their wing and say, hey, we want to be there to support you. And I think if anything, if anybody ought to be that, it ought to be the church. And I'll go one step further. It ought to be a good biblical church that will restore, as Galatians said, such a one, lest ye also be tempted. And so uh, this temptation is a part of life. So where do we begin in this giant of temptation? Number one. I don't, I'm not gonna take a long time tonight. I may just cut it off a little bit. But, uh, number one, we need to understand our enemy. I told you there in Genesis chapter number three, verse number one, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, that serpent said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Understand our enemy, he is subtle. He's going to ask simple questions. He is going to speak in such a way that will soothe one. I listen to the Bible app that I listen to. It's called Bible.is. Bible.is. And they have different voices for different characters in the Bible. And I almost have to skip over in the first few chapters of Genesis and the first few chapters of Job because it's Satan talking and the guy that talks, he sounds evil, he sounds wicked and it gives me the willies. But that's that may be a good representation of what we think of Satan. But I wonder if Eve might have found a pleasing voice. I wonder if Eve might have found something that soothed her. This was just a a friend in the garden. And he says, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Satan, for lack of word, masqueraded as a subtle serpent. He didn't play fair. And if he didn't play fair in the garden, let's not expect him to play fair now. If anything, and I don't know that he can learn, that he can adapt, but uh, if anything, he's found a lot more ways to be subtle. Uh, One way that he's found to be subtle is not his fault, it's the church's. 
Because the church has lowered her standards closer to the standards of the world. So Satan really don't have to work as hard as he did in Genesis chapter 3. Over there, it was Adam, it was Eve, and it was God. And they walked together in the cool of the day, fellowshipping with God. And now we do good to have 20 minutes a day fellowshipping with God. Some would even have less time than that. Satan is able to be more deceitful now, it seems, because so many people are falling away at a larger percentage than they did years ago. In the late 1800s, there was a boxer named Norman McCoy. They called him Kid. In one of his fights, he learned that his opponents was deaf. And McCoy discovered this uh, towards the end of the third round. And in that round, he dropped his gloves and he pointed to the opponent's corner. And he mouthed the bell rang to end that round. And as his opponents dropped his glove and turned around, he knocked him out. You see, he didn't play fair. He used his, his opponent's disadvantages to his own. And Satan too will do that. A lot of times, and I, I'm, I'm being just transparent with you, a lot of times when I, when I finish praying and I, I close my Bible, that's some of the hardest times. Some of the hardest times for me is when we praise the Lord and say, or we count to three and we say praise the Lord. Some of the hardest times in my life spiritually, is when everybody's fellowshipping and I've done what I'm supposed to do and Satan comes to attack. It's that temptation. In Matthew chapter number 24 and then in Matthew 10, chapter 24 he says, Jesus said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. In Matthew 10, verse number 16, he says, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We are in the midst of wolves. Our everyday lives are in the midst of wolves. And we need to be, we need to be as wise as serpents, that subtle beast of the field, as harmless as doves. But we cannot forget Verse number 4 of Matthew 24, Let no man deceive you. I told the men yesterday in our Bible study, had a great Bible study yesterday, had a good good time. I told them that if anything is going to help us, if anything is going to guard us, it's going to be putting this in here. And folks, if we can put this in here, When the writer said, I've hidden thy word in my heart. I've made it a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Why? Because there's dark days when we may not be able to have this book with us. There's days maybe at work or maybe at school when you, when, when you can't reach that, but if you'll hide some things in your heart, you'll be able to overcome it. You'll be able to try or test the spirits. You'll be able to know the truth from opinion. 
We told you that our enemy is subtle. Next, our enemy is content to operate slowly. Now y'all think about that for a minute. We're not. After church we rushed home because we were wanting lunch. But because we didn't want to wait, we left our oven on 200. So it wouldn't take so long to heat up. It only took another five minutes, Brother Deke. But we were in a hurry. When we go to McDonald's or we go to some restaurant in town, we, we go there to the drive through at these fast food restaurants and we want to be able to pull right up, talk to the speaker, pull right up, get our food and go. But that's, that's definitely not the case anymore. We go to a restaurant, we, we, we do our ordering. You get the picture. We do our ordering. We hope for fast service and for good service. But it's not that way sometimes. But we want it, Samuel. We want fast service. But Satan's not that way. We've got to go to the Old Testament and look at something. You've got to follow with me, if you will. We're going to read a few verses. Second Chronicles chapter number 26. Talking about the enemy being content to operate slowly. I want you to see this as a sub-point. His goal is success, not speed. Second Chronicles chapter number 26, verse number 3. Essentially 3 through 8. It says, 16 years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. Now you would know Uzziah from Isaiah chapter number 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. That's a lot of times, that's the only time we ever mention Uzziah. But here he is, he's 16 years old in verse number 3. And he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem. Verse 4, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Let's go down to verse number 5. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God as long as he uh, sought the Lord. And God made him to prosper. Verse number 7. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelled in Gerbel and the Mehunims. And verse number 8, And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah. And his name spread above abroad even to the entering in of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Now let's skip down just a couple verses to verse number 15 and 16. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. Verse number 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord. Satan, he is perfectly fine to work slowly. His success, his goal is success, not speed. He'll work on someone for years and years and years. It's evidenced in the life of Uzziah. In, excuse me, in our Christian life, we may become slack or lazy in our spiritual defenses. We know of our success and we know of our ability to stand. But oftentimes it's at that point when we know that Satan begins to attack. 
in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There's a lot of Christians today, maybe here, maybe on this platform, that we think we're strong, we think we can stand, we think we can fight, but he says you better take heed lest you fall. Don't think for a moment that you're too big for Satan to come and tempt you. If Satan's not tempting you, you ought to praise the Lord. You ought to shout hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. Don't think for a minute that you've overcome Satan. Don't think for a minute that you've outgrown temptation. Because it's coming. And it may be working and you don't even know it. Number... We're still on number one, but next. Our enemy is calculating with proportions. The giant of temptation often appears as no giant at all. I, I, I've made it very public. I, I feel like, uh, I feel like alcohol is wrong. And I don't, I don't take issue with that. If you disagree with me, that's okay. I'm still gonna love you. But I feel like it's wrong. But, I'll say this, if someone were to come to me with a, with a drink, Brother David, and say, here, you want some, I, I don't even know what names of whiskey are, but if you want some whiskey, want some moonshine, no, I don't want none of that mess. does nothing for me. But now, I, I, I don't want to get in anybody's business, but maybe somebody else that has, has drank in their past, if someone came up to them with, with a big, big jar of moonshine or whiskey or something, they might have some temptation. And I can mock at that temptation and say, well, I'm stronger than you. You fell under that temptation. But the whole time somebody may be offering me something that I'm really not tempted by, Brother Buster, Satan over here has got something else. He may be saying, well, I don't want that, but I wouldn't mind having this. Amen. Too often... Satan has already calculated, he, he's very calculating. He's already calculated exactly what he can do. And he's calculated what he can get away with. Without you all of a sudden bowing up and saying, God, I, I need your help! He'll give you just a little bit of temptation here. A little bit of temptation here. Until you think, oh yeah, I'm, I'm good with this. I'm stronger than this. Next thing you know, he ramps it up just a little bit. Y'all with me tonight? He ramps it up a little bit. And then you get used to that. He ramps it up a little, and before long, you've done, you've done, you've been overran, and you've fallen under temptation. He spoon feeds us with a little bit of temptation, lest we spew it out of our mouths. Just a little bit at a time. I, I told you about bottle feeding Ashland and poking the hole in, poke, making the hole bigger, and about getting choked. Oh. You already know that. Okay. I thought I done threw myself under the bus there for a minute. But I remember when we were, and, and I hope every parent did this. I hope I'm not the only idiot out there. But we fixed, we fixed the, the cereal and we get that little bitty spoon, little cute spoon. And Lori went and bought some spoons the other day. I think just to, just to look how cute they were. And we go up to that little baby. Here comes the plane. Just a little bite at a time. 
Just a little bite at a time. It didn't might take them 30 minutes to finish that one little bowl of food. But one bite at a time, they finally finished. And Satan says, here's, here's, and he's not going to show us the big picture, brother David. He's not going to show us the whole thing. He said, here it is. But you don't see that. You just see this one little bite at a time. This one little thing. I want you to listen to this one little thing in Genesis chapter number two. God said, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. I want us to consider the progress of Eve's temptation. You remember I told you in chapter 3, verse number 1, hath God said? You remember what, you remember what it was? Let's look. Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman sat under the serpent, she's talking to me. The woman sat under the serpent, she was so, so not full of herself, I don't want to be too hard on Eve, but she was sure of herself. Maybe that's a better word. She said, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has hath said, Ye shall not eat of it. And it would have been great if she had stopped there. But she added to what God said. Verse 3. God hath said, ye shall not eat of it. But she added, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now, y'all help me. You go back to verse number 16 and 17 in chapter number 2. God didn't say nothing about touching it. She added to what God said. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now, I told you that he's, he's very calculating. And I want you to see this. Not going to take a lot of time here. I'm ready to go. But he asked a question. Did, did God say this? And she essentially said, yeah, God, God said we, we shouldn't, we shouldn't eat of the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but we shouldn't touch it either because we'll die. So I want you to see this. Neither shall ye touch it. Five little words. She changed five little words. And in doing that, she lost what God said. She said, don't, God said, don't eat of it. Now in Revelation, John wrote that we shouldn't add to or take away from the Word of God. And she added five little words to what God said. 
But those five little words gave Satan an in. Now that she's changed God's word, now he can change God's word. Now that she's added to it, now he can add to it. And Satan calculates his attack. And he will, tr- have you ever been in a, an argument or a debate with somebody and they are so smart, they get you all tongue-tied and frazzled and you end up agreeing with them, but you still disagree with them, but you didn't, you didn't know what you said because they had you all messed up. Five little words she changed. And then Satan said, ye shall not surely die. That's not what he really meant, Satan said. You're not really going to die. You won't physically die, but you'll be like God yourself. And the Bible says, and and I wonder if this might have been progressive. I know some of you have studied this more, but I just kind of wonder if this might have been a progressive time. I don't know, and I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I wonder if it may have happened over a period of time. Because she said she learned some things. She saw the tree was good for food. She saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. She saw that it was to be desired to make one wise. Now, it could have all happened, boom, just like that. I don't know. But regardless, Satan very calculatingly attacked Eve. And if he did that to her, he can do that for you and I today. He didn't begin by calling God a liar. I believe if he had... If he would said, God didn't really say you couldn't touch it. I believe, I, I believe, I believe Eve probably would have said, now, hang on now, who are you? No, now I just had fellowship with God just, just last night. What are you saying about God? I believe if he would have come right out and pl- laid out his plan of temptation, I believe she would have rejected that. But what Satan wound up saying, is what Eve wound up believing. And he's such a wordsmith. <clears throat> I, I love gospel music. And we're going to stop right there. I've got more to say on that first point, but we'll, we'll stop right there. I love gospel music, but I've become very selective of what I, what I listen to. And the main reason is because I've, for the last four years, I've done a gospel radio show and podcast and so these artists will send me their music and I, I can listen to them or review them play them whatever but I see their their liners I see who writes these songs and I know a little bit about these people that write these songs and and I, I know that in some of these writers that are in the, y'all hear me now these writers and singers that are in the gospel the southern gospel music genre, they are not living a holy life. I'm just going to come out and say it. Some of them are homosexuals. So I listen to these songs. I'm like, man, that, that's got a good hook in it. That's got some good lyrics in it. That's got, this is great. This is wonderful. And I look and I see the writer of it. And something, something happened. There's a little bit of disdain then towards the song and maybe towards the artist that's living right, they're doing right. But the reason that they can succeed, these people living this lifestyle, the reason they can can succeed in it 
is because they are wordsmiths. They're able to take words and they're able to form them in such a way to, to evoke emotion. Now, they could write a, a love song if they wanted to, Brother Dave. And they could make the woman fall in, fall in love with the man or vice versa. They, they, they could write a rock and roll song if they wanted to and get them people... I don't even know if they still bang their heads or not. I have no idea. really don't. But instead, they're, they're writing gospel music. And they're justifying their lifestyle because of the success that comes from that. Now, I, I said that just, just to make the point about being wordsmiths. These folks, because they can turn a phrase, because they can write a lyric that will evoke emotion, they're successful. If they can do that, imagine what Satan in his words can do. They can draw one of these young folks. So I think Brother Deke mentioned this phrase, the other side of the tracks or the wrong side of the tracks. Very easily, by words, making some lifestyle appealing, making some sin appealing. But not only can He attack our young folks, but He can do the same for you and I as older folks. I look online today and... and, and and I need to just stop. I need to just stop. There's a young boy that went to church with us. And I may get in trouble because this is on Facebook Live. But I really don't give two flicks in the wind. This young man, I'm not going to say a whole lot about him. But he decided he'd start a new church. And I knew some of the things that he struggled with. He started a new church. They opened it up today. But it's not a church that he grew up in. It's not a church like this. It's a church that's contemporary. It's a church that's progressive. He was on the stage. He was doing his service in a ball cap and holes in his jeans. And I, and and I'm I'm not even right now. I'm not even getting on the contemporary style of worship. But what I'm saying is, Satan can make whatever he wants look appealing. And he can make it look like it ought to be church. And in doing so, he can draw us to the other side of this thing. And if we're not careful, we'll allow this giant of Satan, and you won't even know he's messing with you, or this giant of temptation, won't even know he's messing with you, and he can draw you into things you never thought possible. Let's stand. Dear God in heaven, Oh, God, I pray that You would guard us. I pray, Lord, that You'd guard us from this giant of temptation. God, my heart is heavy tonight. Because there's men and women that I know that have fallen into temptation. And they found excuse after excuse to justify it. And God, it's only by the grace of God that I haven't fallen into that same temptation. So God, tonight I pray, Lord, that You would 
Lord, make sure that I'm humble enough to know that I'm here only by Your grace. God, I pray that You would allow me to be strong in my faith and in my convictions and stand upon the Word of God and not waver so that when Satan does come and he does begin to tempt me to, to go one way or the other, I can make a, a choice that's not based upon me. It's not based upon the brethren. It's not based upon how I feel at that moment, but it's based upon the Holy Ghost and Your righteous Word. God, I pray the same thing for this little church. God, we've been here for for nearly four decades now. And God, we've stayed by the stuff. And God, we've been led by men of God. Lord, I pray today that You'd allow us to stay firm and stay steadfast in Your way. God, guide us all and... Lord, lead us all. Lord, your son told us there in Matthew chapter number 6 that it's okay to pray that we're not led into temptation. So, God, I pray, Lord, that you would lead us not into temptation. I pray that you'd deliver us from evil. God, I ask you that you'd have your will in our hearts. Lord, put a hedge about us. God, keep us from those things, Lord, that would draw us away. God, we love you. We thank You, Lord. We pray You'll bless Your people tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen.